If you don't have your own Bible with you, our ushers have Bibles available. Raise your hand at this time and they'll bring you a Bible that you can use throughout our service this morning. Any others that like a Bible, please raise your hand. We'll bring one right to you. Luke chapter 1 is our scripture this morning. I'm going to ask that you listen attentively as we read God's word, give respect to the reading of God's word. Would you all please stand with me as we look at God's word together? Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely from some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may certainly you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For, I'm an, for I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand before the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wandering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. 
After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth And she bore a son. 
And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. May God give us understanding this reading of his word. Would you please bow with me in a time of prayer? We thank you, Father, for this time. We thank you that we can come together and worship you. We thank you for each person that you allowed to come here today. You woke us up this morning. You gave us a way to be here. You gave us a mind to be here. You gave a mind of someone to help us to come or to help us in transportation. We thank you for all that you've done. We pray now, Lord, that your word, as it is declared today, might be clear, it might be understood, it might challenge our hearts, it might encourage us in our walk with you, it might point us to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that we might want to endeavor to commit ourselves to live faithfully for him as he has come to earth, lived and died for us, He's risen again and now in heaven. We look forward to his return. Help us to live faithfully until he returns. 
We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Our choir comes with special music before the preaching of God's word today. Today, a new couple, Charles and Willa Alexander. Would you please stand so we can rejoice with you? Just stand up so we know who you are. Amen. Amen. You give us another reason to rejoice in December. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Just got married last week and uh, spent the, the first weekend there in, in, in the Chicago area and the first, first Sunday here together. And so praise God. We welcome you. We are thankful for God for working in your life and bringing you to this moment in your life and thanking God for allowing us to share with you and rejoice with you in, in, in that coming together. Praise God. You know, marriage is a good thing. And if you can't get excited about that, then you, don't just, you just don't get excited about God's plan or what he's doing. It's a miracle to bring two people together and to, bring, to blend them together to one. And that is a picture of God himself. And it's a picture of our relationship with him. And so it's a beautiful picture. Just like anything, our culture has totally messed it up, made it ugly, gone against God's purpose and his will. And so we got to celebrate when we do it right. We got to celebrate when we do it the way God intended it to be. Praise God for that. All right. Today's message just looks over this long chapter of Luke, and I read it um, because God's Word is worth reading, every verse of it. And so uh, we don't want to shy away from the reading of God's Word. Take a, make a practice of, of reading God's Word. Uh, and if you're a teacher, um, practice reading it aloud. Preach to yourself by reading God's Word and reading it aloud and see how the Holy Spirit ministers to you. Read it with emphasis, and you begin to, to, to unfold the message that God has for you. So we start with reading it. And this, of course, is the season that we celebrate Christ's birth. And in this chapter, we see the preliminary things uh, before a Christ is born. And you notice in Luke chapter 1, I think we, we read this several times when we went through our study on Acts because um, uh, the writer in Luke, the writer of Luke and the writer Acts, same person. And this is his first, um, this is his first uh, 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 part. And Luke is, is, is Acts part 1, and Acts is Luke part 2, if you want to say it that way. Um, so he says, I endeavor to, to, to tell the story, to tell the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he starts this story um, not even with Christ's birth, well, but with the birth of another man, the man we call John the Baptist. And it tells us how he was born because we see the connection there. We see uh, John and, and Jesus were, in fact, cousins, and they were born just uh, six months apart. And so um, we, we, we see this uh, here in, in Luke chapter 1. Um, it starts with the, with the uh, narrative of John the Baptist's parents. His father was a priest, Zechariah, 
and his mother, Elizabeth. It tells us this about them, that they were faithful. It says in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They were righteous before God. They lived a life of obedience to God, of faith in God. I want you to notice the next phrase, though. It says, but they had no children. But they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren. Sometimes not having children was seen, and still today is often seen as a judgment against a person or a couple uh, from God. But we can see clearly here it wasn't the case here. They had not been judged by God. They were faithful. They were righteous. They were obedient, and yet they were barren. Why is that? Well, we don't always know the reasons that the circumstance God puts in our lives. You don't know how your life is going to end. You don't know uh, what circumstances you will encounter. We hear of, of, of things happening uh, every day in the news, and we say, well, I wonder why that happened to that person. Um, why did they get the short end of the stick, so to speak? Um, but we see God does things for his own purpose and for his glory. Now, we can look later on in the story and we can see that God set them up for a blessing. God set them up uh, for, for this activity that he had in mind. But even if we never see that, we know God is good. We know that God is gracious. And we know that everything that we encounter in our life is not necessarily a part of God's judgment against us personally or because of personal sin. And so was the case here. They were righteous, and yet they had suffered not having children. You notice when she finally had a child, notice what she said. It says in verse 24, After these days Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. Why? Why, why did she do that? It's kind of a peculiar uh, uh, circumstance. Uh, we, 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 we often see that with um, young, young unwed mothers who try to hide a pregnancy because it's not something uh, that, that, that uh, they can be proud of. But in his, this case, um, it's, it's, it's maybe she hid because she was older. And, and, and the... the the, the, she just didn't want to hear everybody talk. I don't know. Um, but she hid her. She kept it private for five months. It's interesting how this story is written because in the very next verse, it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent. Now, sixth month of what? Of her pregnancy. So the story is written in a timeline of the, the birth of this child who is going to be John the Baptist and Elizabeth's uh, perspective. And so she, 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 she kept this a secret for five months. I would imagine the first three months would have been not hard to keep a secret. But after that, you, it becomes obvious. But, but she kept it a secret. And even while it was a secret... Somebody else knew. Who knew? Well, Gabriel knew. <laughs> and he came and he, he met with the angel Gabriel, came and met 
with Mary. Now we see this account in Luke and we also see the account in Matthew of the angel appearing to Joseph. So we see an angel appearing to Mary here and in Matthew chapter 1 the angel appeared to Joseph. Remember Joseph was wondering what's going on with this woman that that I'm betrothed to and that she's now pregnant now and he's wondering what he should do. This uh, happened probably before that time but close close near that time, the angel came to Mary and told her uh, what was going to happen. Um, And so we see that in this chapter as well. In verse 26, excuse me, verse 28, it says, He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. He greets her with an unusual greeting. Let me go back, though, just, just a moment to some, some information that we're given in this chapter about who this John is. Let me go back just a second. So, Zechariah is doing his job as a priest in the temple, and an angel appears to him. Verse 11, verse 12, Zechariah is troubled at this. And that seems to be a common uh, trend when a human being encounters an angel that it is, it's, it's just natural to have fear because of the, uh, I think because of the awesome uh, characteristics physical and spiritual characteristics of these messengers from God. We don't often see those encounters in God's word, and yet here during this time, during the time around Christ's birth, we see a few encounters. Why is that? Well, the word angel means messenger. They are God's messengers. And so they are here to announce something, and there is something worth Announcing, There's something happening in all of history that is coming to them is going to be announced. The first one is the birth of John the Baptist. So he tells uh, Zechariah that his prayers have been answered and God is going to give he and his wife a child. It's going to be a boy. And this is what that boy is going to be all about. Look at verse 14. It says... You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. This is a unique birth. It's a miraculous birth. Uh, His mother and the father of this child to be born are way past childbearing age. And so this is something God is doing. And the birth, the the child, the characteristics of this child is that he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. That's something that God is doing. God wants to get our attention as we read this and say, hey, look, nobody does this but me. This is something I am doing. And so what is the purpose of John? It says in verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their 
God. He will go before him, that is the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. At the end of this verse, it says this is what he's doing. He's preparing people for the coming of Christ. Now, how does he do that? He's turning their hearts to the Lord. And in a practical sense, he's saying he's turning the hearts of the fathers to their children. There's a message there for us today that if we are to uh, uh, turn to the Lord in a practical way, it's going to start in our own home. It's going to start with a change of behavior from us men to live the way and act the way that God would have us to act, to have regard for our children and to train them up in the way that God would have them to go. Now, as men, our responsibility is to do that, not just to train them. In other words, not just to tell them, but to show them, to be a personal example to them and live before them so they can see our lives and have a path, a map, to know how to get where they need to go. In other words, to know what it looks like to serve God. This is the charge that John the Baptist would have, and this is the message the angel gives to him or gives to his parents even before he's born. He's going to prepare people for the Lord, and it starts with their own lives and their own homes. It means just being real. Being real in your own walk. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Live the life that God has called us to live and let it be shown in our homes. He says, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. John the Baptist was one who would speak the truth to everyone that would hear. He would proclaim boldly the word of God. And preparing them for, for Jesus meant turning from sin and turning to, to accept and to realize, to trust, believe, and obey Jesus Christ. So many people today want to act like being saved means just saying some words at church and just turn around and, 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 and you know, I did it now. I'm good. No, it, it is a whole change of life. That's what repentance means. It means to turn from sin and to turn to God. It means that he now owns my life. It's troubling to me if I have to convince a person who says they love Jesus, has been saved by Jesus, and walk in obedience to him, i got to convince them to come to church. i got to convince them to read their Bible. I got to convince them to have a life of prayer. I got to convince them to walk in obedience in every part of their life. Now, I don't mind encouraging them to do that. And that's my job. I will encourage. But when I got to convince, I'm like, wait a minute. If you got life that God has given you, you should be walking this way. And so you're easily encouraged in that way because God has changed your heart to, to turn you that way, he's turned you to himself and turned the hearts of fathers to their children to give attention to the things that God has made clear to us. And so this is who John would be. 
He also says to him in verse 17, the end of that verse, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Make ready for the Lord a people prepared. When Jesus Christ came to earth, we see the scene of a world that was not ready for him. And even now, we see the scene of a world of a people that are not ready for Christ to return again. But those who trust in him should be living a different life and walking a different path. We should live like God is real. We should live like Christ came originally and died to pay for our sin and rose again for real and that his promise to return is going to happen. We should live like that in mind. Since John the Baptist was one who was going to prepare the people for Christ's coming. Now let's go to this second encounter that the angel has. We started on it in verse 26. He says, in the sixth month, I want you to notice something here. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God where? To a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now we talked about that town, Nazareth. And Jesus, when he was a child, we see that because of the threat that Herod had on, on all the children that the angel had, to, this is back in Matthew now, the angel had told Joseph to take Mary and this child, Jesus, out of Israel. They went to Egypt. And you remember they came back after Herod had died. They returned to Israel except they went to the area of Galilee, the northern part, and in this place of Galilee, they went to the city of Nazareth. Why is that important? Because the scripture said he would be called a Nazarene. He's born in Bethlehem, came out of Egypt, but again, he lived in Nazareth, and he so fulfilled the word of God. The angel appears to Mary. I want, to know, I want you to note the difference between Mary's response to the angel and Zechariah's response to the angel. The Bible says that when the angel Gabriel, in fact, how do we know his name? It's because after he told Zechariah that he was going to have a child in his old age, his, his wife was going to bear a child as well, bear this child. And um, Zechariah says to him, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Look at verse 18. How shall I know this? The, met, the, the response that Gabriel has to this tells us something. 
In verse 19, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I say it that way because I think it's meant that way. He's like telling this angel, are you for real? <laughs> and, and, and it's not just this is amazing and I have a hard time putting it all together. But he doubts what the angel says. I can, I can imagine the angel said, look, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the press. Look, I ain't got time for this foolishness. I stand before God and you doubting what I, I'm the messenger of God. And you cast doubt on what I say? You're not going to believe what I say to you? First of all, I want you to understand. God's word is tremendously uh, 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 um, amazing and it, it's hard to believe because it's so good. But God leaves no excuse for those who do not believe. He never says to a person, well, I, I know it's hard to believe. And, you know, I'm going to give you a couple years to, 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 to work on it to, to where you finally come to believe it. No. No, he expects us to believe immediately. In fact, that's we believe because the work that God does on our hearts draws us to believe. And so he's always amazed when we don't believe. So Gabriel's saying, what? You doubt what I said? I'm the one sent from God who stands in his presence and you doubt what I said, and there's a judgment on that. That comes from God. He says, because, look, let's just read what it says. Verse 20. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Now, the Bible tells us after this encounter... Zechariah eventually went home after he had served his time in the temple. He went home, and then it happened. His wife conceived, and she bore a child. So it was nine-plus months that I call it muted. The mute button was pressed on Zechariah. He could not speak. I wonder if this affected his hearing as well because it tells us that the people around him when, when the child was born spoke to him in signs, so I don't know if, if that affected his hearing too, but he, he could not speak. And this was judgment against him because he failed to believe what God said. I want you to notice the difference with Mary. The angel comes to Mary he says in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Israel, over Jacob forever, and his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. 
amazing statement. First of all, Mary, even though you're not married, you will have a child. This child is going to be called the Son of the Most High. He's going to have the throne of his descendant, his father, David, and he's going to rule over Israel forever. Now, that's not just talk. That's not just small talk. The, the, the angel is saying something that is absolutely amazing. And not just Israel. He says, of his kingdom, there will be no end. Eternal kingdom. Now, Mary just asked one question of logistics. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It's not a, a question we can see from her response, actually, we can see from the angel's response, it's not a question of faithlessness. It's logistics. Lord, I am faithful to you. I am not married. I'm not engaged in any sexual relationship. So how do I become pregnant? And he explains to her how. It's God's doing. In a miraculous, unique, one-of-a-time thing that he's going to place inside your body, seed that will grow into a baby and be born. And then he says this to her, verse 36 Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. He tells her the same thing he had told Zechariah, and she does not blink. She believes. Look at her response. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We can tell how she believed when she interacts with Elizabeth in the next section in verse 45. Look what Elizabeth said. She's filled with the Holy Spirit when she says this. Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth makes it clear. Mary, you believed. You heard what God had to say and you believed. This is the response that God calls us to. He knows it's amazing. He knows it's unbelievable. But he calls you and me to believe because it's true. It comes from him, and he is moving our hearts to believe, and to not believe would be sin and would, be, would bring judgment on us. God is calling you to believe. Guess what? You don't have to understand everything to believe. I'm going to pull out my cell phone. I don't understand everything, how this works. I use it every day, and you probably do too. You don't have to understand all the technology. You don't have to have all your questions answered. We're not saying believe foolishly. We're saying God speaks his word and expects us to believe him. If you have some legitimate questions, like Mary had a legitimate question, God will answer that. 
but you don't hold God hostage to your questions. But you all, you need to know, did God say it? Has he indeed spoken? He calls you to believe. Look at the basis of this belief as the angel Gabriel says says to, to Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible. We believe God has done what he said he will do and what he says he will do, he will do because he is able to do all that he says he will do. Now, God has given us legitimate proof because all that he said he would do, he has done to to prove all that he said he will do in the future, he's able, willing, and will carry it out because of what he already said he would do that he's done. So he said, just open your eyes and just see what God has done. It's not our intellect that gets in the way of our belief. We, we use that as an excuse. We really do. It's our sin that gets in the way of our belief. It's our rebellion against God that gets in the way of our belief. God had called Zechariah for this task, and he scolded him because he didn't believe. And then it happened, and Zechariah knew. (laughs) God means business, and I should believe him. I want you to look at the story of of John's birth in verse 30, excuse me, verse uh, 57. It simply says, it's now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Are we surprised? (laughs) What's the chances, right? Well, (laughs) 50-50. She could have had a boy. She could have had a girl. If she had a a girl, you can scrap everything. (laughs) But that ain't happening. So the neighbors, relatives, wanted to know what should they call this child. I guess it was tradition that on the eighth day they were circumcised and named the child. And so they came to the naming part, and they said, well, what do you want to name him? And <laughs> Elizabeth said, John, they said, what? Where did you get that name from? You got, you got nobody in your family with that name. And so they motioned to Zechariah, now, now imagine this. He has been mute for nine plus months. Is that not evidence <laughs> that God's word is true? The angel said, look, you don't believe me? Watch this. Can't talk now, can you? That's what he did. Now you believe me, John? Or now you believe me, uh, uh, Zechariah? Do you believe me now? Then it happens. They give a message to him about the naming of this child. He writes it because he can't talk. And he says, his name is John. Now, would you expect him to do anything else? (laughs) He got the message now. 
You see, he understands what God is doing and what God has said to him and what his purpose is. And he's he, like, yes, I get it. Okay, God, I'm with you. <laughs> That's where God wants us to be. But immediately when he does that, he gets blessed. It says, Immediately, verse 64, his mouth was open and his tongue was loose and he spoke. And what did he say? When God gives us a mouth to speak, when he's worked in our life and he's blessed us, yes, we've had some consequences from our, for our unbelief and, and they have affected us. But now our, 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 our mouths are open, our tongues are able to speak. And what does he do? He blesses God. He tells us in the next section the prophecy that he gives. And it's enlightening. I'm not going to go through all of it. I'm going to just share a few things. Um, Zechariah in blessing, and he speaks now. He speaks about this child that's going to be born, his son, John, and John's purpose, which speaks of Jesus. Verse 76, he says, you, child, <laughs> can you imagine him holding up his son? I don't know how old he is, but he's old, older than you would expect a new father to be. This child, you child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Most of what he says is about God's word and about Jesus. He says, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. This, this salvation that, that this child is going before the Savior to announce is for forgiveness of sins. He's preparing people for Jesus. He's going to be called the prophet of the Most High. What an awesome responsibility. The prophet's job was to speak, thus saith the Lord, to tell people what God had to say. John did this. In fact, he lost his life doing that very thing. But he was faithful to the task that God had given him. He was speaking and preparing for Jesus. We have a similar task today. That is to speak God's word, give a message to those around us, to be faithful at doing that. I just want to challenge you today that people's hearts at this time of year are thirsty for real truth and for real hope. Sometimes when a person is thirsty, they don't know what they need. You know, they think about their, their favorite flavored drink of whatever it is. But what they need is genuine, pure water. 
It may not taste the way they want it to taste. It may not be the temperature that they want it to be. But what they need is that pure water. Will you give it to them? Will you share with them? People are without hope. And, and I think this season highlights that because there's all these people right, running around acting like they got so much joy and so much to celebrate. And secretly, everybody else, everybody's looking at each other and saying, what you got? Why, why are you so happy? Because inside, I'm not happy. I don't see what, what, what's the big deal is what they all want to know. And so people, so many people become uh, discouraged in despair uh, uh, during this time because they see no real reason for hope. It's like the world when they have a party, right? They have to have a drink there alcohol or, 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 or some drugs. Why? Because they don't know how to experience joy without it. And they'll walk away if you ain't got it. This ain't no party. What they're saying is we got no hope. And all we want to do is just get drunk, get stoned, Lose our minds, forget about our troubles, because we got nothing to look forward to, and we know it. That's what the world is really saying. And they say to you, Christian, how come you party without the spirits? And you need to tell them, because I got the spirit. And I have real joy and real hope in me. They are Dying to hear that. But the second part of that is this. They want it to be real. They want it to be real. They want your life to be a witness so that they can find real hope in what you got. They want you got what you got to be real. And how do they know it's real if you don't believe it's real? If you ain't living on it and living by it. So you're encountering people who need real hope. As a pastor, I do this at funerals. I do this at weddings. I do this in a hospital when a person is about to die. I do this in a hospital when a newborn is being born. I point to the real hope that's in Jesus Christ. He is real hope. And we know it. We live by it. And we need to share that truth with others. Your hope is not your economic situation. It is not your physical and your health status. It's not your job status. It's not how good you look, how, lo- how young you are, or any of those things. It is, do you know Christ? And is your eternity set in him? And if that's real, you're living like it, and other people want to know, What's the truth? What's the secret? They're begging for you to tell them. Tell them. 
share with them. It is about Jesus. He is the real joy that we rest on. Tell him he's not going to make everything in this life beautiful and fantastic and nice. He's going to do better than that. He's going to bring us to a life where it is beautiful and fantastic and nice. He's going to take us out of this place and take us where he is. The Bible says he's, he's prepared a place or he's preparing a place for those who trust in him. So he died to pay for my sin so I'll be free from God's judgment. And he's preparing a place where we can live in honeymoon suite forever and enjoy his fellowship and his company for all of eternity. People are thirsty. They need the pure water. The Lord Jesus Christ, share it with them in this season. Pray that God will open your eyes to those opportunities, help you to be faithful in sharing in that time. We thank you, Father, for your work in our hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that we would live out our faith. Many people around us see the hardships in our lives, and yet they see the joy in our heart. And I pray that we would follow that with a message clear to them that our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You sent John to pave the way for those who would trust in Christ, to prepare them for his coming. You're sending us to pave the way, to let people know that Christ is going to return. And he's coming as king. He's coming to set things in order, and all who refuse to trust in him will be turned into hell. We pray that you give us the boldness to speak of the joy that we have in Jesus. And let you do the work, the rest in the hearts of those who hear. Cause us to be sensitive to your, your speaking, your moving. Cause us to live in obedience to you so that we have a testimony. Move in our hearts to speak and to live your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.